Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. As we approach the holiday season, I know that there are going to be a variety of things that you as a congregant encounter. They remind you of good times and they remind you of bad times in your life. Some of you, it will be overwhelming. You're just going to run and hide. And some of you um, will feel like you got back in touch with who you were or what you left off. I feel like nowadays there's a great number of people who have lost touch with who they are and some have never discovered who they are and what has defined us and defined society is whatever social narrative dominates the airways it affects how we dress it affects how we talk it affects the music we we listen to our mannerisms what is cool and what is not cool all of these social identifiers have invaded even the church and our identity seems to be more synonymous with things on the outside than things on the inside. It used to mean something to say the word sanctuary. It used to mean something to say the word holy. It used to mean something more to say the word uh, church or we see God's name being taken in vain you know, more and more often and the people who should be offended by it less and less offended is if we don't know who we are. If I asked you um, how you identify yourself, um, some people from the Midwest, what would you call yourself, a chipmunk? What's that little thing, the M? The, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The Golden Gopher. Golden. So Pastor Philip is golden a gopher. Gophers. He, he's, he, he's a gopher. Pastor Bryson, what's the mascot of your favorite team? The Huskies, okay, he's a Husky. We all, we, we have become known by our team. If our sports team is winning, we're winning. If our sports team is up, we're up. And our identity begins to be wrapped up in these external things and we have the identifiers or the markers. I look at the next generation, especially when it comes to athletics, and I look at how they mimic even the worst of behavior. They're just willing to mimic it. If I asked you to complete this sentence in terms of uh, priority, uh, the military says this. They, they give you a ranking of what's first and what's second and what's third in a person's life. What's the first thing that the military says is first? God, God, country, family. Some people say God, family, country. But that just seems like the appropriate thing to say. That might not be the reality in your life. In fact, if I told you what really defines you, it would not be God. Country would come close statistically, but it would be family. What wins over God, what wins over sports teams, what wins over 
uh, everything is family. The number one thing that shapes you in life, the number one thing that impacts you. So how you grew up, the voices of authority or whoever you consider family gave you your disposition, gave you the, the confidence to be who you are or the lack of confidence thereof. You were shaped by your family, statistically. Now, we want to kind of argue the point, and I've gone into rooms and told people you've been shaped by your family to say, no, I'm shaped by God. That's just the right answer. But all the indicators tell us that you've been shaped by something other than God. Well, how do I know that? Because we act more like our country, more like our family than we do like our God. At some point, that's got to be a problem. So I believe that we should look deeply at the word and see if God is averse to that type of perspective of anything else marking you, anything else defining you other than him. Let's go to Ephesians. I didn't give you the scripture in the back. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't know what I do, I have Pastor Philip read. He can alternate with, with Richard if he'd like to or, or Pastor Delvin. If he doesn't do good, we'll, we'll throw it to Pastor Bryson, who's an excellent reader. Um, we appreciate him. He reads with personality and style. He gets style points. Uh, tonight, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start at the first verse. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, what a child should do is stay connected to their parent for identification purposes. And just like we don't want our children defined by anybody else but us, any other outside source but us, God would seem to want us to identify with him more than anything else. You're my beloved child, imitate me. You're in my family, look like me, act like me, talk like me, walk like me, think like me, be like me. You are an image bearer of me and I love you so much. You see, it's not just imitate God, it's he loves. And, and then he says in verse 2, Pastor Philip. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I not only want you to reflect me, I want you to live just as if you were me. Not that you're God or the God complex. I want you to live like I would live. And the way I live because this word walk is, means life or lifestyle, the way you function. I want you to function like me. And when you're most like me, you're loving. When you're most like me, you're caring. When you're most like me, you're not keeping a record of wrongs. Oh, Lord, help me because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And I am a record keeper. It is a weakness of mine. I keep records. But when I'm imitating God, I have to loose my records. Anybody knows me intimately, when I'm in my weakest moment, I've got a record-keeping spirit. But his type of love is so profound, it doesn't keep records of your wrong. It's powerful. But he said, when you walk in love, he says, 
that he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering to God. Now, this is pretty powerful. So, imitating God is loving others by giving yourself up for God. Okay. Imitating God is loving others because you're giving yourself up for God. Everybody wants love. Raise your hand if you want love in this room. Keep your hand up. Everybody wants love, but it's the thing we're least willing to give away. I didn't say put your hand down. It's the thing we're least willing to give away in its purest form. Love, by definition, is sacrifice. Love, by definition, is a love feast. It's a, it's, it's, it's a charity. It's a giving away. Put your hand down. But I believe that we imitate selfishness, which says, I wake up to think about what I get, not what I get to give. When I'm most like God, I get to give love because love is an action word. When I'm least like God, I just always want to receive something. Now, I'm not saying there's something wrong with receiving. I'm saying there's something wrong with a disposition to get more than to give because you're imitating something that's not Christ. Oh, Lord, help me. Because I, I just can't read that scripture. I can't think about what it really takes to imitate you and evaluate myself on the high end. I, I, don't, I don't know if I score right. Because I'm keenly aware of what I feel owed, of how I, how I ought to be adored in certain situations, how I ought to be loved. I know I want to be loved. Do you know how you want to be loved? Do you know when you didn't get it? But we're not as aware of when we didn't give it. Because when we don't give it, because we're not willing to imitate him. Isn't it amazing, Pastor Philip, that he called it a sacrifice? Can you read that part of the scripture one more time? And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That means it hurt. Not easy. Something you could have used if you retained it for yourself. But I'm willing to do it for you. I want this. I want to be loved this way. I want when people think about me, they lay it all down. But what do I do when I think about them? Well, Pastor James, it's good to love people sacrificially who love you back, who love you well. Those people deserve that kind of love. Ah, last I checked, while we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. Richard's testimony was trying to discern was the love available to him because he described his life as wretched. And he was asking God, do you include me in that? Is that factual? Do you include me in this love? But had you been loving to a God you never opened the Bible? Had you been loving to a God who, who has rules and standards that you weren't open? No. So love cannot be based on what's reciprocal, what, what is given. I mean, what 
you offer in terms of your life. It's marred, it's scarred. God has offered his life when we were broken. So when I'm most like God, I don't wait to imitate him by saying, who's worthy of my love? They're not worthy of that. I ain't giving you nothing. Treat me like that. That's why marriage, Carlos, who just got married, congratulations. Lindsay, come on, Carlos. Marriage, Carlos knows this, Lindsay knows this, is not a contract. It's a covenant. Covenant, contracts say, if you keep up your end of the bargain, I got like 10 things, and I'll keep up my end of the bargain, 10 things, we can work it out some mutual, mutual situations. Covenants say, even when you don't keep your end of the bargain up, I still love you. Well, Pastor James, I know you, 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 there are some things where you stop loving. No, I actually, I don't mean that. Because even in situations where you legitimately could get out of marriage, per se, still you can have love. Love. We're most like him. We most imitate him when we're loved. Now, why would I spend so much time on this? Because the next few verses are going to offend you. They are. Like, I, I tried to just butter this love thing up as good as I, because it's God and you need all of that. But then he's going to, we're about to see the part of the scripture that begins to contrast this. To find out which do you imitate. Because God will give you an authentic identity after him and then the counterfeit opportunity comes right after that. And here's what the counterfeit looks like. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now, if you're a saint, if you're of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you should be imitating God and you should be walking in his love. But if you're not walking in his love, then you've got to get a non-genuine love. You've got to get an imitation type love. And that's sexual immorality. That word is pornea or pornographic, pornography. So because I don't embrace legitimate love, I've got to get illegitimate love. Never fulfills me, never makes me feel better, makes me feel shame, makes me feel guilty, makes me, makes me feel bad. But I'm imitating an image that comes from the world and not one that comes from Christ. You can see what the world is up against. You can see what we're up against. Immorality. No one can wait. All the can't help it's Just had to's. It's like, I think that we get into sexual immorality when, when we can't control love that we want. Well, you ain't giving me the love that I want when I wanted it, how I want it, so I'm just going to get it when I want it, how I want it, under my control. And now you're into sexual immorality because you want to control it. There ain't nobody going to say amen and I don't care. I mean, yeah, come on now. Y'all just playing, you're messing with me. Thank you. It's important that we bring this up because young people can't figure out what's destroying them. 
Young people can't feel, figure out how do you defeat such a big animal called sexual immorality, but it's defeatable. I want to say it again. It's defeatable. I want to say it again. It's defeatable. I'm going to say it one more time. It's defeatable. How? By being an imitator of Christ. Loving like he loved. That's what you got to do. He said all impurity. All impurity simply means anything mixed in. So sometimes we want God's love plus sexual immorality. God's love plus covetousness. God's love plus a little bit of lying, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's a mixture. It's taking what's pure. Nothing's more pure than God and saying, what else can I add on to God in order to get what I want? I'm not an imitator of him. I'm losing my identity. I'm being defined by my family. I'm being defined by this world. I'm being defined by my sports team and the culture and the social media. I'm not being defined by God because when I'm defined by God, impurity is locked out. In other words, I don't start giving God credit for things that he wouldn't be associated with. I'm going to tell you on myself. Forget, let's, just, let's just forget about you. Let me just preach to me because it's amazing to me that I could live this long and read the word and yet have this other, whole other life that's averse to Christ that I'm just okay with. Maybe not doing it, but this is just, you know, oh, that don't bother me. This doesn't bother me. Impurity begins to mix in. I didn't do it. I just, uh, I couldn't allow it in my life. I'm not fully in agreement, but I give it a place. Even though the Bible says, give no place to the devil. I got him a room. I don't play with him like every day, but I have some moments. Notice I didn't say every day. Every day. The devil get an every day. He can't get every. It's too proper. He's improper. It's every day. Or covetousness. Oh, how we avoid this sin of covetousness. I mean, I just think that Pastor Philip, that one is like the ones like, oh, I, I just know I'm not covetous. But that level of envy and desiring what your neighbor has and keeping up with the Joneses is killing America. Some, somebody else has it, I got to have it. Now, I won't lie. I got a, I got a few nice things through covetousness but you got to call it what it is just gotta i just i'm just too grounds i just gotta cut it what it is i let something creep in because my identity at the moment wasn't wrapped up in christ now is anything wrong with the thing no but it's something wrong with the motive the motive can't be wrong it's not proper for the saints it's not proper Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Now, sometimes I like to just skip over this verse. (laughs) Because it's not leaving a lot of room. You know what I'm saying? If you're an imitator of God, it's like saying stuff like, no filthiness, nor foolish talk. But, you know, just to be a sports guy, you know, a little locker room talk. 
again, this is not a political statement, but this is a political person that has provided us with an illustration. I'm neither for or against the person. This is no indication of my politics. But President, former President Trump provides us with what locker room talk brought out in public, unchecked, on your unchecked private conversations become a public narrative that it would embarrass you. And you don't notice it anymore. I said something, uh, it took somebody two months to, to tell me, you know you hurt my feelings. I said, I was just joking. And even when they told me, I thought nothing of it, but it was crude. It did have a, a little bit of a sting on it. And at the time when it was said, it did produce a laugh at someone else's expense. I was unwilling to think that it was anything wrong with me because I just give myself credit as an image bearer of Christ. I'm identified with Christ, but when I can mix impure thoughts along with it, when I can mix impure speech, and the reason that happens is because I let the outside world influence me. And so my internal pressure with Christ is low. The external pressure is high. Christ becomes small. His identity becomes small in me and the world has a big identity in me. I don't know about you, but I decided to make the Bible personal. I used to read it and say, those people need to get it together. I did. I just already, woof. Filthy talk, Who, who's doing that? But there is a way, the Bible says your mouth should be used to bless and not curse. In order to speak wrong, you got to think wrong. And we're supposed to medicate on Christ. We're supposed to bring peace. I remember when being a young baby Christian in every thought or speech I had was a psalm, a hymn, a scripture. And somebody said to me, why are you always answering everything in the scripture? I thought nothing of it. I said, no, I'm just talking. Because when you just get born again and you got this level of purity, you're desiring the sense of the word and you're growing and all of a sudden when you get grown, now you, now you can do rated R. You can do uh, mature. You can do, you can just do. And I'm not trying to judge your house. You just live your house. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's not what goes into a man to defile him. It's what's coming out of us that's jacking us up. And if you're letting the wrong thing go in long enough, it starts shaping you. Nobody can escape this, by the way. It doesn't matter if the preacher, it doesn't matter. Nobody can escape it. He said, no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Lord, help me. See, you just, you just see, I turned it into my little private. Lord, help me. Because you don't say help me, Lord. Then the sin of self-righteousness can kind of invade you. But he said, instead of doing that, what if you were full of thanksgiving? The Bible says, encourage one another daily while it's called today. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetousness, that is an idolater, 
has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then he basically says, if you're going to embrace this other identity of sexual immorality and covetousness and impurity versus embracing an identity with me that's love and self-sacrifice and living for other people, then you know what? Me and you are not going to really have a little inheritance there. We're not going to be working together. The kingdom of God, I love the, uh, in Matthew 6, Amplified. You grab that. It's going to take you a minute to get Amplified. I like how they describe uh, the kingdom of God. In there, he'll, he'll get that and he'll read that scripture to you. But look, what's, what's blocking your identity? Name the three things that's blocking your identity. Well, you could say that, but you add to the scripture. I'll just, just use the one with you, but that was good. Now, <laughs> sexual immorality. Number two, covetous. Three, impurity. Don't let the devil rob you right in church. You got a name. See, the way you conquer sin is you have to capture it. You have to capture a thought. You got to face it. Why is it important to those words? Why do they make us uncomfortable? Face them. Face them because a little leaven leavened the whole lump. You got that yet? But Matthew 6.33 amplified, but seek, aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness his way of doing and being right, and then all of these things His taken. kingdom is described in the Amplified is his way of doing things and being right in the earth, imitating him. His way of doing it. His way of being right in a wicked earth. His way of doing things and his way of being right in the earth. That's what we're here to model. That's what we're here to represent. We're being offered impurity. We're being offered covetousness. We're being offered sexual immorality. It is shaping our culture. It's shaping our country. It is shaping our sports. It's shaping everything. It's shaping our mind and the way we think. And it's affecting how we parent our kids and everything. But yet we won't name it. I am an imitator of Christ. And you have to say it to yourself so long until you're transformed by the word of God. This is spiritual warfare. The world is coming at you and you get certain imagery that's coming at you and say, no, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You hear certain things that are funny to the world, but they cannot be funny to you. You cannot repeat it. Now I know it's like I'm eliminating so much with such a simple stroke. But sometimes we're forgetting, according to that scripture, what we're gaining. The converse is you wouldn't inherit the kingdom of God. But if you eliminate these things, you get the kingdom of God. What compares to that? Pastor Philip, when I always hear about Esau selling his birthright for a, a bowl, uh, a, porridge. a porridge or whatever it was, I thought, how foolish is he? I thought, you know, I should say bold things. Like when I meet Esau, I'm going to say, you know what, you were dumb, weren't you? You were one of the people. We had to read about you, brother. And I think about how often I, we sell our birthright. Oh, God help me. Uh, we sell out for some uh, image. 
We sell out just to have Christ plus a whole bunch of stuff. We sell out just to have what the next guy have, only to find out when you get it, you don't like it. Yeah, that's right. I don't even care. You get everything you wanted. What is the profit of man in the world? Gain this world and lose it. So you can get everything you want. Don't have a family. Don't have the love of God. Don't have a church. You don't have nothing. What does the proverb say? Better a little. With love. Not a lot with striving. Yes. You, well, you got the mic. Well, don't be, have confidence. Better a little with love than a whole lot with a lot of striving and fighting. Better have a little bit. Let's read six verse. Six, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, this, you know, this tough. It's not just, you know how you feel when you sin and you just think, well, I sinned. I'm so sorry, Lord. You know, you just repent. You know, and then there's habitual sins. But, you know, God is grace. But for some reason, we never get to the point where there's punishment and wrath associated with it. Like God's just leaving it unpunished and undealt with because he loves you. Judges 11 verse 9 says, uh, either 9-11 or 11-9, it says, Rejoice, O young man. Which one am I right? It says, it starts off with Rejoice. I can quote it. I just want them to rejoice, O young man. I'll just quote it while you're looking. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the sight of your eyes and the ways of your heart, but know thou this. For all these things, there's the judgment. There's nothing you're getting away with. That would be Ecclesiastes. 11.9. Well, you said judges. I said judges. It's 11. Ecclesiastes 11.9. Yet rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of thy heart, in the sight of your eyes. But know this, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. They're, 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 this, this, it doesn't matter, James Lowe, if you can trick people. It doesn't matter, congregation, if you give me the right image. Who you are, who you've identified with, what you're really in love with is going to reveal itself by God's judgment in your life. He says, this son, he calls them sons of disobedience. Begin. Familial terms he's still using. And watch this. This word, disobedience, you're going to like this, Pastor Bryson. You're going to like this because you like this kind of stuff. It means refusal to be persuaded in their heart concerning obeying his will, or his word. I'm going to say it again. A refusal to be persuaded in their heart concerning obeying his will or his word. Help me, Jesus. Either a son of righteousness or a son of disobedience. Either a son or daughter that imitates God or if you don't imitate God, thing that your natural, what the scripture is trying to tell you is your natural leaning when you don't obey is sexual immorality. That's why it's pervasive. Your natural leaning is impurity. Your natural leaning is covetousness. All this in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You see, these things, this, this, this is not like, well, that's not me. Well, well, well. 
Let's just wait a minute. Let's just wait a minute. You're being solicited. Now, here's the good news. Is we, this is, I'm done preaching, but just let me minister to you. I love the fact that God has shown me that he doesn't reveal these things to us so that we're down and out or broken. He always reveals things to elevate us. He doesn't do it to shame us. He doesn't do it to guilt us. He doesn't do it so that we're just miserable. He does it out of love. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? And oh, how he loves you. And oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? And oh, how he loves you. And oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Stand to your feet. This message makes me want to be an imitator of God. This message makes me want to reaffirm my identity with Christ. This makes me want to fight against the statistics. Say, no, God defines me. My family can support the things that God has defined and I let everything else go. My country, I love it to the degree that it loves the things of God and the other stuff I don't love. LeBron James, my favorite basketball player, but that doesn't mean I like everything he does to stand for. I got limits. And I can't identify with everything and everyone when Christ is my Lord. Richard, when he gave his testimony, he alluded to how you feel when you don't grow up in a church environment. And I know because I know his testimony how desperate you are for those to remember you in the world that have the truth and remember there are people without the truth the first part of the scripture we read i wanted to conclude with because in it was the secret that you and you put the screen up so we don't have to see not see bryson playing that piano because he's worshiping right now read this verse one more time Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The solution to everything that's wrong 
is you being who he called you to be. You living the life he wants you to live. Walk in love. It's Christ's love. Gave himself. Be imitators of God as beloved children. When you look at it with fresh eyes, he makes it easy because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Now what might feel difficult is divorce yourself from the other way you've been living and I've been living. And it's possible. I want to pray for you. Bow your head, close your eyes. Hey, glory to God. Just, just pray for a moment. I might just worship and say, just pray for a moment. It's such a personal thing to be a beloved child of God. It's so personal. Only you know your stuff, your junk. He knows, just talk to him about it. You know your junk. The stuff that's defining you. See yourself offering it up to him, saying, just kind of take it off. That, that, that's not my identity. I'm sorry. I repent. Oh, that's not my identity. Oh, I'm sorry. I repent. Uh, yeah, that too. That, I, I, I was okay with it, but now I know you're not okay with it. That's not my identity. I take that off too. And for that stuff you're trying to have, hold back in your closet and not talk to God about, now open that door up. Let that stuff drip out. That stuff you just don't want to deal with yet. You, you've got the surface stuff. You've repented for the surface stuff. Now I'll go a little deeper. Because there's other things that have been shaping you. He doesn't want those things to shape you anymore. It can't shape you anymore. Yeah, glory. See, that's the sound of freedom. When you, when you start releasing stuff, it's a freedom that comes. You're not defined by that. It makes you heavy every time you think about it, every time you engage in it. It makes you weighed down. But Christ Jesus said, walk like he walks, talk like he talks, love like he loves, and you'll avoid every sin that's tried to mark your life. Hallelujah!